Hi, welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. Each week on this podcast, we give you simple strategies to improve your body, mind, and well being. Hi, everyone. This is Stephanie Snipes. I'm on the editorial team here at WebMD. And today we're talking with Wendy Lopez and Jessica Jones, better known as Wendy and Jess, hosts of the podcast Food Heaven. They're nutritionists, certified diabetes educators, authors, and best friends. They've created a website called Food Heaven Made Easy with tips on meal planning and tons of recipes, which look delicious. We're going to pick their brains for some simple ways to upgrade your diet. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thank you for having me. There are so many popular diets right now, and it kind of seems like all of them contradict one another. And it can be completely overwhelming for us at home. So I'm wondering, what are some basic steps that you would you know, share with people to, to start to eat healthier. Yeah. It's so confusing because there, there's just so much information out there. And unfortunately, a lot of it is coming from people who don't have, you know, professional training in nutrition. And so it could be like a lot of anecdotal recommend recommendations and sometimes like very unsafe recommendations that are being promoted online. Uh, and so we really promote flexibility when it comes to eating a healthier and balanced diet. So trying to get in more plant-based foods, being flexible about how you do that and just not being so black and white or restrictive in the process, sticking with the basics, not going with recipes that require like a hundred different ingredients and like steps, you know, just really letting the foods shine on their own and um, using things like spices and herbs to like flavor your food and also using some salt, of course, but you don't have to use like you know, endless list of ingredients to make your food taste good. Um, and also I recommend just trying new things because we're, a lot of us are just so used to routine that, you know, we might always go with like the same vegetable if we are eating vegetables. And so we always encourage people like try to have, you know, maybe one new vegetable per week. When you go to the farmer's market, when you go to your supermarket, try something that you haven't had before um, just so that you can extend your palate and also so you you can diversify uh, the nutrients that you're getting through your food. That's great. I know a lot of Americans are eating kind of meat and potato based diets. And so for those people who really are looking to, to make a transition and, and introduce a more plant based approach, aside from what you just said, are there other tips that you would have um, to help them really make that transition? Yeah, so I think a lot of times people think of plant-based eating as really just eating vegetables or spirulina and grass, but we try to help people understand that plant-based really means just foods that um, come from plants. So that includes your vegetables, of course, but also fruits, nuts, seeds, whole grains, and beans. And so one way that can make it less overwhelming, as Wendy was saying, is really just kind of focus on adding um, variety. So one thing I I recommend to folks like if you're kind of a meat and potatoes type of person and you don't realize that you know having plant-based foods can be delicious filling and satisfying even for our carnivores out there is just start with one plant-based meal per week so maybe instead of doing spaghetti and meatballs you do spaghetti with lentils which is one of my favorite um, recipes because it's still really hearty you're still getting that protein uh, but you're also introducing you know fiber and another plant 
based component. And then from there, you can extend it to maybe a meatless Monday, which a lot of my patients really like and do. And so it's a chance for them to really explore different recipes and experiment with different flavors. Um, so, you know, we try to help people realize when it comes to a plant-based eating, it's not really, it doesn't mean a vegan diet. And we really focus on what you can add to the diet, not what you are taking away. Because if you think about you're adding all these delicious, healthy flavors, it's more exciting than you feeling like if you're meat and potatoes and you're taking away your meat and then you can just have potatoes. That is really great advice. And I have to say, I I think plant-based might have a bit of a branding issue. Because to your point, I think a lot of people do think, oh, I have to eat grass. So I'd love to hear from each of you what some of your favorite vegetables are and how you like to prepare them. Kale is probably one of my favorites, just because I find it really filling and hearty and delicious as well. I'm someone who just likes um, a lot of greens and I love chewing them, which may sound weird, but I do. Um, So with kale, one thing that can make it taste a lot better and break down some of break down some of those fibers, um, so it isn't so bitter and, and starchy. Is just kind of uh, massage it with some salt and some olive oil, kind of if you're gonna serve it raw. So I love having a raw kale salad. I'll massage it with those things, or even sautéing it is really delicious. So let's just say I want to have flexibility with my meal prep. I will always probably have like a kale, a head of kale or two, um, or a head or two of kale that I will kind of chop and put in airtight containers. And that way I can throw it into different dishes. Like let's just say I'm doing a stir fry, or maybe I want to do a salad, or maybe I want to do like kale chickpea tacos topped with Parmesan cheese, something like that. So I feel like it's really versatile. Um, I also love zucchini, um, and squash because zucchini is great because you can spiralize it and um, serve it with pasta. So I'll do that. And I feel like it, it adds a really great crunch and makes it really um, makes the pasta taste really fresh and delicious. And you're also obviously adding vegetables. And then I just love squash like butternut squash because it's super hearty as well. And you can add that to the base of a lot of soups and stews and curries. And so you're getting in a lot of different vitamins and minerals, but also staying full and satisfied. I love what you said about adding the zucchini to pasta and not necessarily having to completely replace your pasta. Exactly. Like I, so my patients, they'll always be like, oh yeah, I'm doing spiralized zucchini or carrot pasta. And I'm like, okay, great. So how was it? And they're like, oh, it tasted good. But then I was like, okay, how long did the fullness last you? Oh, I was starving again in an hour. So that's an indicator that just the zucchini for most people is the base is probably not enough. And you want to mix it with the actual noodles Um, and the noodles taste good too. So again, we're not trying to take things away. We're just adding things. For vegetables that I'm really loving, it, it really just depends on the season, like what's in season. In New York, I'm based out of New York, and it's like, oh my God, I get so excited when the spring and the summer comes along because the farmer's markets have so many more options than in the fall and winter. So right now, I mean, I always love avocados, and they're not really native to New York, so I just buy them year-round, and I feel like they just add that nice like satisfaction to every meal and then right now I'm on a string bean kick where I've been eating string beans for like the past (laughs) few days because I discovered this amazing recipe and I literally just made the recipe again this morning Um, and it has tamari it has uh, some coconut oil 
sesame seeds, um, nutritional yeast, like cumin, a whole bunch of spices like red pepper flakes, and you roast them. Mm. Um, and it is out of this world. So right now, I think that is my vegetable of the season. But <laughs> I don't know, it always changes. <laughs> I love that. That sounds delicious. What veggie powerhouse do you think that everyone should be eating? Ooh, this is a really good question. Um, well, one that first came to mind, there's so many, I feel like they're all good, honestly, but, um, we actually, um, work with watercress and, um, like developing and creating recipes for the, um, watercress growers. And that's one that, before we started working with them, I didn't really realize that it's basically like taking a multivitamin and I hadn't incorporated it as much into my um, my routine. And it's really versatile and delicious. We have a watercress recipe um, on our website where we kind of top a pizza with watercress and then we even have um, a watercress cocktail. So that's the first one that came to mind. But honestly, all vegetables for the most part are super delicious and nutritious. So I always tell people start with what you like and then also try to do what's in season. Like Wendy was saying. So if you go to the farmer's market or you go to a grocery store that has local produce, look around and, you know, try to pick a variety of things, but start with just something simple um, that you haven't tried before that again um, is in season and kind of find a recipe and look for how to prepare that thing. And then you never know, like when you said with the green beans, she, you know, took a chance on a recipe and it was delicious. And now she's incorporating this different food into her diet. That's great. So we know that there are a ton of kitchen tools out there. Are, are there any must-haves that you guys feel like are worth investing the space in your kitchen to have? Yes. Okay. Let me tell you my favorites. The food, a food processor, I think, is like everyone needs to have a food processor because it creates magic in the kitchen. And it's just so easy. Like you literally throw everything in there and it just creates like whatever it is that you need. Um I think a Nutribullet is very useful because I do like smoothies, especially in the summer. And it's just like so nice to be able to throw everything in, blend it and like take it on the go, especially for those of us that have to commute to work and can't really like sit home to enjoy breakfast. Um, and I also use it for so many other things. Like I, I sometimes use it as a food processor. I'll use it like to make ice cream. Like I've used it for so many different things. And then I think a good knife too, like just having a good knife makes all the difference where you're not like chopping your fingers off you're getting a nice cut especially you know for those of you that love onions like you want to make sure that you have a really good knife to cut properly so what about some go-to things for your pantry or freezer so in that moment where you're so tempted to just call for takeout what are things that you feel are good as pantry staples to keep on hand i always recommend rice beans um, nuts and seeds and then always keeping frozen fruit and vegetables in your freezer. Oftentimes people think that frozen isn't as healthy, but it's actually frozen at the peak of freshness. So you're still getting all the nutrition um, with frozen. And so some of my favorite things um, to have on hand as well are like frozen brown rice, for example. I, I buy it from Trader Joe's, but I'm sure it's in other stores as well. And that's great because I can use it as a base for anything and it's really quick. So let's just say I didn't have a lot of time and I have like maybe some kind of super stew that I bought as a backup. I can just mix it with that frozen rice and it's delicious. I also really love to have 
just really quick. I mean, if you can get minimally processed, even better, but you know, frozen uh, meals, like I love these, uh, bean and rice burritos that I get from Whole Foods are super delicious and really cheap. I think it's like under $2 or something per burrito. So I'll have that and maybe splice uh, half of avocado on top. And then I have a whole meal. So I like people to think about what are the staples that you like to cook with that also make a complete meal. So looking at your starch, looking at your protein and also your vegetables, and how can you make sure that you have those things on hand in forms that you really enjoy and don't shy away again from like pre-cooked and frozen um, because it's, it's really easy to throw a meal together. Okay. So meal prepping is all the rage. I personally try and do that as much as possible, but do you guys have any tips for how to meal prep successfully without having to spend all day in the kitchen? Absolutely. We have like, oh my God, we've developed a whole program around this because we know that this is a major challenge for people where they'll try it and maybe they do it for a week and then they just fall off. Uh, so we have a whole process that we personally do and that we recommend for people. Um, so I think the first step is just thinking about what meals you want to make throughout the week. And I think a lot of people, you know, they just overdo it where they're like having too many different meals throughout the week. And so meal prepping turns into like this just really like stressful situation where you have to make all of this food, all of these different dishes. So we recommend just having one to two meal options for most days out of the week. So maybe like you have two options for breakfast, two for lunch, two for dinner that you're rotating throughout the week so you don't have to make all of this stuff. Um, we recommend bookmarking your favorite recipes or your favorite food blogs just so that you have some inspiration and you're not eating the same thing because that's something we hear a lot too where people are like, well, I just kind of get bored of making the same thing over and over again. So just looking for inspiration, like now there's just so much online that you can get access to for free. So looking into that, making sure your recipes do have a good balance of vegetables, carbohydrates, protein, uh, so that they're, you know, nutritionally, like they're nutritionally adequate and you're, and you're getting that good balance. You feel satisfied throughout the day. So after you've figured out what you're going to make, we recommend making a list for when you go grocery shopping, look through your cabinets, make sure that, you know, you, you are buying things that you actually need so that you don't waste food. And then, Pick one day, just pick one day for a couple hours where you do your pre-prep, you chop everything. Maybe you make your staples like your grains or your beans, you cook those and then you have your vegetables laid out. So you just have to throw them in or do a quick saute. Um, and with meal planning, I would definitely recommend that you make meals that you enjoy <laughs> because if you're going to make things that don't taste good or that are bland, um, it's, it's not going to be sustainable. Like you're going to be over it very quickly. So just keep that in mind. Like this should be an enjoyable process where you're like looking forward to meal planning and you're looking forward to like eating all of the delicious meals that you prepared on your, on your pre-prep day. That is really great advice. So I have one more question for you guys. And I'm curious to hear from both of you. What are your guilty pleasures? Ooh, that's a good question. So we don't like to think of them in terms of guilty pleasures, just because all foods fit in our philosophy. And so, 
you know, you should give yourself unconditional permission to have whatever you want. Um, but some of the foods that might not be considered the healthiest foods that I really love to enjoy would be ice cream. I'm definitely an ice cream girl. I love a good scoop of fatty, <laughs> rich ice cream. Um, and for those, cause sometimes I have some like, um, lactose intolerance kind of issues so i will even do like a cashew ice cream which is similar and it's still rich and fatty so for me i absolutely love southern style mac and cheese it's my absolute favorite um, but i have many indulgences like i really love fried green tomatoes i love um so trader joe's has this like almond danish that i'm obsessed with and so i'll get that as well when i want to indulge a little bit um what else oh i was thinking I, I like fresh baked bread like a baguette with like really delicious cheese like fresh cheese yeah it's like the list goes on and on <laughs> <laughs> those are good picks i love it and i like that philosophy that you don't have to give up anything just do it yeah. in moderation exactly well ladies thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate it this is great advice i know people are going to love it Hi, I'm Robert Allen, an editor at WebMD, and with me is Valerie Bashida, who leads WebMD's news team. We're here to talk about an alarming trend, the rising number of women who drink too much. We're not talking about an extra cocktail on the weekend. We're talking about alcohol use disorders. Valerie, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Robert. Happy to be here. So what kind of drinking are we talking about? Well, it's, it's kind of showing up in some unusual places. It might be moms drinking at a kid's birthday party. It might be moms drinking at a play date. It might be something that's happening at a book club, or it might be having, happening after an exercise class. Um, it's, it's kind of like some moms are saying they're really anxious or nervous or they're bored and they're using alcohol to get through the stress of their day. They might be doing it at night after their kids are in bed. So it's a lot of the people we talked to happen to be moms and they were using it to help with their stress or relieve boredom. So how big a problem is this? Well, it's going to be a pretty big problem. Female alcohol use disorder has more than doubled from 2002 to 2013. Also, death from liver cirrhosis is on the rise and high-risk drinking, which is defined as having three or more drinks a day or seven or more in a week for women, has also doubled. And the other scary part is, is that it's starting at younger ages, by eighth grade now, there's more females drinking than males, and that traditionally had never been true. And that becomes a problem because women are smaller and they have less body fat, and so alcohol affects them a lot more, and it shows up sooner. They're more prone to getting things like heart disease and cancer from drinking. So do we know anything about why this is happening now? Well, some of the experts we talked to felt it was becoming more socially acceptable for women to drink. You know, for a long time it wasn't, and now it's become a thing, especially for moms. It's like, okay, it's mommy's little helper, or there's a whole Facebook group called Moms Who Need Wine, and that has seven, more than 700,000 members. There's this kind of feeling that, you know, life is stressful, whether you have kids or not, and you deserve a drink to help with that anxiety and stress. And we know that women have higher rates of anxiety and depression, and they are more often to drink for those reasons where men may drink because they're celebrating. Women are doing it to help them cope. So how would a woman know if she's crossed the line from just social drinking to alcohol use disorder? 
Well, the National Institutes of Health has developed 11 criteria. And if you have just two of them, you have an alcohol use disorder. Now that can range from, if you have two, it might be mild to more serious, but having two isn't really that many. For example, here's some of the criteria. It's you wanted to stop drinking, but you couldn't. You felt it might've been interfering with taking care of your children or with your family. Um, you may have had some withdrawal symptoms. You may have had a craving. I mean, just two of these 11 symptoms means you could have an alcohol use disorder. And where are some good places for women to get help? It's really important that you, first of all, seek help. And some of the experts recommend first going to your primary care doctor because they can first determine, do you really have a problem? Because you may not have a problem. So that's the first step is really figuring out, do you have a problem and how bad is it? And then there's a couple of treatment options you can try. I mean, there's medications, there are, there's therapy, there are support groups like AA, and it's really no one size fits all. You might do a mixture of them. You could do one of them. Um, it just all depends on what really fits you. And it's important if you're drinking for some reason, if there's a mental health reason like anxiety or depression, that you get that looked at too, because treating that core problem will obviously help you with your use disorder. Well, Valerie, thank you so much for telling us about alcohol use disorder, and we'll post a link to the article in the show notes. It's time for our tweak of the week. This week's tweak, start looking for a class you want to sign up for. Why should the kids get all the back to school fun? Learning something new is good for you at any age. That language you'd like to learn, how to paint or code or do CPR, or try your hand at writing fiction. Learning something new has health benefits. It's a good kind of stress, a challenge that you choose. There's even research that shows that people who are lifelong learners tend to keep their minds sharper for longer into old age. You can take some classes online. Let us know what you choose. You can share with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this week. Thanks to everyone for joining us. And thanks to everyone who's subscribed to the podcast so far. Talk to you next week.